Hey, you. Thank you for joining me for episode number 123 of Better Regulate Than Never. I have a lot of exciting things going on in the new year, and I hope you do too. And I want to tell you about a few of them. And first of all, I'm getting some new clients, and I'm very excited about that. So I definitely am still working with young people. I know it's going to sound crazy knowing all these different things that I'm trying to do, but I'm just, this business is so fun for me, and I'm just trying out a lot of different pieces and ways to go just to see what all can happen. So one of the things that I'm trying to do for the next probably six more weeks, I started it a couple weeks ago from this episode, but I want to help educators. And I say educators because I want it to be any adult staff that work in a school building. So paras, bus drivers, food service, office staff, the teachers, the administrators, the counselors, the social workers, just anybody that's working in a school that feels like they need some support because it's always been stressful to be a teacher or working in a school setting since the beginning of school, probably. But I feel like it's worse now and even at a crisis level. And I really want to help educators because I worked in school for so long and I know how it works and I know a lot of people in education. So I just want to be out there serving and it's free. It's a free educator workshop that I'm doing every Tuesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. So if you know any educators, tell them about this. And if they go on my social media, they'll be able to see how to register for it. And I even put the Zoom link on there so people can just join it. But um, that's one thing that I'm doing. So I'm working on that and I'm feeling really good about that. Um, I'm proposing to speak at different things and I've been chosen a couple of times. So that's exciting. And just this last weekend, I spoke at a women's summit and because it was for women and it was for people to experience what is coaching like, not that I wouldn't have had some 13 to 24 year olds there and there probably were, but I wanted I didn't want to speak to the young audience because I wasn't sure how many or if that's really who was going to be there. And it was being advertised as a women's summit and how to make your life great. So I did a parenting talk. And so that's a whole nother area that I'm kind of working on is the parenting side. And I've worked with parents as long as I've worked with kids in school, because obviously if a child was having trouble in school, I was also talking to their parents and trying to help both sides of the story. So I have a lot of experience in that area. So it doesn't, it's not completely out of the realm that I would work with parents too. So right now my business is kind of has a little piece of the young people coaching. It has a piece of the parenting aspect, and it also has a piece of educators um, or adult staff who work in a school. So If you're any of those things, let me know and tell me, you know, what you're needing for support. And I would love to be able to help you. And after the 
educator workshops are over with, like I said, about six more weeks, I think, then I'm just going to have open coaching free on Saturday mornings. And I'm going to kind of see how that goes. And that can be any person in the world who wants to come and be coached, they can do that. And it's, it's also a way, even if you don't maybe necessarily want something to be to be coached on something for yourself, you might want to come and just watch coaching happen because you don't know what it is. And so you want to see what it's about. So anyway, what I want to do today, today, this is for the parents. And I know that that's actually who my larger audience is, is parents. But if you're a young person, you'll still get something out of this. And I kind of want you to listen to this anyway, because if I'm not representing you well in this talk, I want you to tell me because I feel like this is what I told parents last weekend, and I feel like it's legit, but I I want to make sure. So if you are a younger person and you're listening to this and you're like, no way, that is not what I want, let me know that too. Because then when I am talking to parents, I'll know to revamp that part of it. Okay, so my talk for parents was called How to Fix the Relationship with Your Child Before You Break It. In a study of 14,000 U.S. children, researchers found that 40% lack strong emotional bonds with their parents. And those bonds are so important for later success in life. I did not have a good relationship with my parents. If you've listened to my podcast, you know that I just wanted to rebel against them all the time. Now, I definitely have seen worse relationships now that I've worked in education. But at the time, it I when I was a young person, and I didn't know, you know, I didn't know how to compare my relationship with my parents to other people. It certainly wasn't good. It was it wasn't abusive. My parents weren't. It wasn't like that kind of upset. It was they didn't listen to me and I was super angry about it and I was so rebellious and I just wanted to fight them all the time. So I think there's some regularness or normalcy to wanting to fight with your parents when you're a teenager, but I feel like I did it worse. So anyway, that's kind of the background. If you haven't listened to my earlier episodes and if you want to know all the details of my sordid teenage life, just go back and listen to some of the episodes. I, I'm pretty open because I want people to know, you know, where I've come from and, and why I'm doing what I do now. And after talking to thousands and thousands of parents and kids over 31 years in the public school system, I, both sides would tell me that they wanted to improve the relationship with the other, but it was like, there was kind of like the standstill, like the parents didn't know what to do and the kids didn't know what to do. So today I want to talk to you about four things that young people have said that they want from their parents. And I want to encourage you to continue these practices. If you're already doing them, that's amazing. And I want to support you in trying these things if you weren't aware of them, or if you're wanting to make some changes in your parent-child relationship. So the first one is, our emotions are just as important as yours. Now, truthfully, I remember this being one of my biggest triggers when I was younger, because my parents always discounted how I was feeling. Stop crying about that. 
You are too young to be in love. Too bad if you don't like it here. This is where you live. I remember feeling so angry at them most of the time, and I didn't tell them anything because I knew that they would discount it or they would not understand or believe me. So I just avoided talking to them. Our children are complete human beings. They are separate from us. And we forget that sometimes and we want them to think and feel like we do, but they don't. And we should celebrate their uniqueness. When our children are having emotions, we don't have to understand or even agree with them. Just acknowledge them. So when our children are very young, we just help them learn the vocabulary of feelings. Oh, you are feeling really angry right now. You must be sad today. Would you like to take a break? What are you thinking about right now? Our job is to help our children be aware of emotions and what to call them. We need to normalize all emotions and let them know that none of them are bad or good, and none of them are emotions that we need to get rid of. As our children get older and have the vocabulary to tell us their stories, we can help them explore their feelings with empathy and open-ended questions. Things like, that sounds really hard. I can see why you feel terrible. What did you do next? How did that work out? Is there anything you would like me to help you with? You should not try to fix emotions that seem negative. And I know when your children are sad, you want them to stop being sad. I'm experiencing this as a grandparent. If my grandchildren are crying about something, I don't want them to cry. And I'm like figuring out what 5,000 things can I do so they won't cry. And I get that. But we need to, to be normalizing everything. And we need to be talking to them about, oh, you're feeling sad right now. And I realize a baby cannot talk to you about that. And that's kind of where I'm at right now is that they're still young enough that they really can't verbalize what's going on. And so that's me running around trying to figure out what I can do to fix it. But, but I'm going to have to be really careful about that because once they can verbalize it, I need to not worry so much that they're being sad or angry. I just need to allow them to be sad or angry and then try to help them process and talk through it. So we're helping them figure out how to deal with their emotions. We need to remain calm during those exchanges. Even if they are saying things that bring up our own feelings, we need to be a safe place for our children to talk, explore, and process. I like the analogy of the flight attendant on a plane. When there is turbulence on a plane, we look to the flight attendant to see their reaction. If they are calmly going about their work, we know that we can stay calm also. They are the experts in flying and we will just, we will mirror their actions. If there's turbulence and the flight attendants are panicked, we will get panicked because we know, we know that they know more about flying and our kids look to us for those signals of how they should be reacting. And so if we're getting out of control, then they think they're supposed to be getting out of control. And as an adult, we need to be in control of our emotions. Now, I realize a lot of adults have not learned this, how to do this, 
But just because we are adults, we need to really think about how can we stay in control of ourselves in a parenting role or really in any role where someone's younger than us. Open communication starts right away as our children are starting to use words. We need to be present and pay attention to them when they are talking to us. Later, if our child has picked a terrible time to talk to us, and I know that's happened to me a million times, you're cooking supper or you're late to go somewhere and they want to have a conversation about something. And it's okay to say, I don't have time to listen to you right now, but let's choose and make sure you pick a time that soon, as soon as you can and honor that time. So don't become too busy that you don't have that time or that when you do set down or, or allow them the time to tell you that you're distracted with other things, make sure that you're really giving them full attention because that makes, that helps them to see that they are being heard. And I am positive that if your child feels heard and feels like you're at least listening, even if you don't agree, even if you don't like it, they're going to be much more likely to share things with you and process them with you. The second thing that kids say that they want from their parents is to let them express themselves without judgment. Now, our children's disagreement with us is not disrespect. I know this is going to be news to some people because when I was raising my kids, I did not feel like their disagreement with me was disrespect, but many people would tell me that. Like if my kid said, I hate you and went to their room, people that were around would say, oh, your kid's spoiled or your kid's um, having bad behavior or disrespecting you. And that's just them having a big emotion. Now, later, I should have a chat with them about, you know, let's think of different ways we could have handled that situation. But saying I hate you and running away and slamming a door as long as nothing's broken is just they're learning how to deal with emotions. And so we have to be really careful about punishments for for emotions because we want them to be able to figure out what their emotions are and to be able to say how they feel, even if it disagrees with us. And many times it's going to. If we have a rule or opinion about something and our child tells us they don't like it, they are telling us their truth about the situation. When children are young, they are not experts on how to deal with heavy emotions. So they're going to yell and they are going to say, I hate you or I hate this. That is their truth. We need to let our kids say how they feel and be able to remove themselves from a conversation if they need to. Don't take anything personally. It's about them. And this, this really goes for every relationship and every person and everything that ever happens to you. Don't take anything personally because everybody's reaction is about them, not about you. Learning how to deal with emotions and difficult situations is overwhelming. We should not allow our children to abuse us or be disrespectful, like I said, but that conversation needs to take place later from a calm place. You are never going to help a child understand how to navigate things if you are getting mad at them or yelling at them or trying to correct them when they are super upset. You have to let them be calm and then talk to them. 
If our children feel safe to tell us how they really feel, and we can explore that with them calmly, they will make much better decisions in the end. If we try to counter and fight with them about how they feel, they will much more likely choose the worst thing just to prove a point. And oh my gosh, that was me a hundred times. Half the stuff I did probably as a teenager, I didn't really want to do or didn't even really think like the things that I said that I thought I only did it because it upset my parents. So um, you have to be careful about that. So model good communication skills. That's staying calm and talking and asking open-ended questions. They will learn that from you. I have had parents tell me how upset they are that their child yells at them, but they also yell at their child. You, You can only expect the same behavior back from your kids as you're giving to them. If you model appropriate communication, even when it's heated, your child will follow your lead. They are watching how you communicate with others as well. So how you're communicating with the wait staff at a restaurant, how you're communicating with uh, the checker or salesperson or your neighbor, or how you communicate with people on social media, they're watching that and that's what they will model. Now, the teenage years are usually the hardest because they must separate from us and become an independent person. And they're doing that all along through childhood. But in the teenage years, it really becomes important for them to be completely separate from you. And so they want to be by themselves. Now, that doesn't mean that we let them stay in their room all the time and we never talk to them, but we do need to be careful about allowing them to have time alone, and also asking them to join us as a family. And all of this is just preparing them to be an independent adult that doesn't need you. And you want that. I, there were several instances when my son moved uh, out as an adult. One, well, this might've been the same roommate, but in different locations, but the very first uh, roommate he had his parents, the, the other boy's parents still called him every morning to get him up to go to work. <laughs> and I just remember saying to my son, uh, no, if you can't figure that out, then I guess you don't have a job because that's just ridiculous. And I do think this was the same roommate. Uh, they moved to a different town, but still lived together. And that I remember one time my son said to me, I feel kind of bad because his mom really takes care of him. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, his mom comes and does his laundry for him and cleans his room and does all these. And I'm like, oh no, see. And I said that, that is not helping him be a productive citizen in this world. That's just taking away all the things he doesn't want to do. And I, I've thought about that since, like, what would be that mom's motivation? Because I used to think, well, I'm not doing that because I'm lazy. And it's not really laziness, but like, I don't want to do any extra work. I don't even want to do the work that I have to do for myself. But I really do think it was, I wanted, I want my kids to be very independent in their adult life. I just want to love them and, and care for them. I don't want to do the work for them. Um, so Young people may want to dye their hair or get piercings or tattoos. 
And it's fine to have rules about how your family will navigate those situations, but try to find ways to give choices or compromise. Now, I'm not saying if you have a rule that you really feel strongly about that, let's say they can't get a tattoo until they're 18. And I understand that kind of rule on the parent side because tattoos are pretty permanent. I mean, you can get them taken off, but then it's more expensive and it's painful. Um, And I understand that before you're 18, probably what you would choose for a tattoo could be ridiculous. Now, not always, but I'm sure like probably when you're 35, you're like, oh, why did I get this tattoo? And so parents are trying to protect their child from making a decision that they will regret later. But here's the deal. If you do have a rule that says you can't get a tattoo until you're 18 and your child really wants to, having fights about it and telling them how stupid it is and it's, you know, even um, some kind of moral thing, I, I don't know, you know, what different people's reasons are for doing that. But those kinds of conversations are never going to help the situation. Instead, why don't you talk to them about, oh, well, what kind of tattoo would you like to get when you're 18? Where do you think you would go get it? How will you pay for that? Like talk about, and like not in a a mean, snarky way, like, oh yeah, how are you going to pay for that? But like, oh, tell me about, you know, like what's your plan for this? And just be really interested and curious about it. They're going to be much more likely to wait until later and maybe even change their mind about it. But the more you push it and tell them that it's stupid and that they can't and that they better not do this or that, the more likely they're going to be determined to go around your rules. Also talk to them about that you understand their need to fit in and connect with their peers. That was the other thing that I remember being so angry, especially with my mom. She really didn't care about being in social situations. Like she's kind of an introvert and likes to stay to herself. I'm very extroverted and want to be around as many people as I can. And so when I would say, you know, I want to go be with my friends, she would say, well, you know, that's dumb. Why would you want to go there? Or you need to stay home because that's what we do or whatever. And I was just like furious about it because I thought you don't understand what I'm trying to say. And so if she would have said, oh, I totally understand that you want to be with your friends. That's how you fit in and connect with your peers. I think even if she would have told me I couldn't go, I would have felt better about it because she would say, I understand where you're coming from, but this is the need for today, or this is what we're doing. So I have clients that don't want to dress up for school or do their hair. I have this client that um, she told me that every day when it's time to go to school, she comes downstairs to, um, I don't, I think she drives, but you know, she comes downstairs, her mom's there and her mom tells her she has to go back to her room and change her clothes and fix her hair. And they fight about it every day. And I know that we don't want our kids going around looking like homeless people. I didn't like that either. I, my, if my kids are listening, they're probably like, yeah, right, mom, you were really particular about what we wore, but I didn't, I didn't tell them they couldn't be themselves, but there were situations where they needed to dress up depending, you know, like go to church or we're going to get family pictures or something like that. And so that was kind of my compromise is if it, you know, like sometimes I'm going to say you have to dress a certain way, but sometimes I'm not, and I'm not, maybe not going to like what you're wearing, or I'm not going to like your hair, 
but I'm just going to let it be because it's not a life or death situation. And I think especially in the teen years, we need to be really thoughtful about if this is not life or death, if this is about hair color, if this is about a piercing, if this is about wearing comfortable clothes versus what we consider to be nice clothes, I think we need to let those arguments go. Just let them look that way. And then maybe later have a conversation with them about, you know, what is it about not doing your hair that, you know, maybe it takes too long, or maybe they need to come up with a different schedule of like one thing that was a game changer for me was taking a shower at night because my hair takes forever to dry. And so if I took a shower in the morning, it would take hours for me to get ready. Where if I took it at night, my hair is mostly dry, I get up and I don't spend so much time. So maybe it's just talking to your child about why are they making those decisions? And maybe there's other solutions that are a compromise. So think about that. Micromanaging kills our confidence is the third one. As soon as children can make some decisions for themselves, we need to be offering choices and places for them to decide on their own. Give, you get to decide what the choices are, but then let them decide which one they're choosing. One of my clients has a fight with her mom every morning about what she packs for lunch. My client packs all sorts of snacks and sweets, and then her mom gets mad at her because she is not packing a nutritious lunch. I talked to the mom later about sitting down with my client before grocery shopping and discussing what was appropriate food for lunch. This discussion needed to be open and a compromise. My client couldn't veto every suggestion and the mom would have to allow some wiggle room for snacks. And then a list was made about what was okay to pack, decided on both parties. Mom needed to make sure that all those things were available each morning and it's time to pack the lunch. And then my client packs her own lunch following the list of acceptable items and her mom doesn't check on her and doesn't worry about it and they don't fight. I had parents when I was still working in school that checked with the school almost every day about missing assignments, constantly texting their child about where is this assignment? Is that done? Go talk to that teacher right now. These students were so frustrated and upset about their parents constantly worrying about this. Now, I know we don't want our kids to do poorly in school. We don't want them to have missing assignments, but we need to have conversations with them that are open-ended and curious and calm about why these things aren't going the way we would like them to and find out from them what is really going on. And then what are the compromises that you can make in those situations so that you're not constantly fighting about it? And sometimes you're just going to have to let your child make a mistake and not turn some things in and maybe fail a class. And I know that that is terrifying to some of you, but that's how they learn. I would much rather have a student make mistakes and fail things while they're in high school so that all the adults at the school and the adults in the home can all help make better decisions. If a child never makes any mistakes or has any challenges or ever has to decide a thing on their own while they're at home and then they move away to do their adult life or go to college, 
there are going to be situations that they're not going to navigate and there's not going to be people right there to help them. So please let them make mistakes while they're still at home because mistakes are stepping stones to learning. If your child is not performing in the way that you want them to, be curious about why they are not. I believe that all behavior has a purpose. We will all act in a reasonable way if we know how. Beneath any behavior is a message for us. What skill do they need help with? What is their unmet need? How are my unmet needs getting in the way of this? I had a parent that was so upset about their child not trying out for the baseball team. Their comment to me was, they will be so embarrassed when they have when they are not involved in any sport this spring. As we explored this together, that parent realized that they would be embarrassed if their child wasn't on a team. So again, our children are their own individual people. They are not us and they are not a reflection of our goodness or badness as a parent. Number four is compromise with us. And actually I've been saying compromise through the, all the other three. So there's really not a lot of extra stuff to put on that, but I want you to just think about these are things that kids say they want from their parents. And I know for a fact that kids want to have a better relationship with their parents and parents want to have a better relationship with their kids. All of this kind of parenting takes intentional work every day. You must connect in some way with your child every day. Even if your schedules are booked with activities, tell them that you love them in the morning when you see them, send them an encouraging message during the day, be present with them for at least five minutes in the day to listen to them about anything they want to talk about. Don't give advice or suggestions unless they ask for them. And when they have a problem, ask them what they want to do about it, what they want to do about it. What is their plan? Do they need any help? If you establish this kind of relationship right from the start, it won't be difficult when times are rough. If you are just starting now, it's not too late. It may take some time for your child to respond to this new kind of parenting, but if you are, if you do these things, your relationship's going to get a lot better. Kids just want to be trusted, respected, listened to, and believed. They want to have your attention and have time to see you. If you give them these things, you will create a lifelong relationship that is calm and fun. And I promise you, parenting adult children is the best. That's my favorite parenting part, I think. And grandchildren are amazing too. Now, I haven't had to deal with any behavior problems yet with grandkids. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But um, I'm loving all of it. And I love my relationship with all my adult children. And it comes from building with calmness and listening and caring and trusting and allowing them to have their own thoughts and feelings about anything. So I hope you have an amazing rest of the week. Make sure that you go on social media, follow me, check out all my different social media handles, go to my website, listen to other podcasts, share my podcast with other people, rate and review my podcast. I put a couple of new things on my YouTube channel. So just if you go to Better Regulate Than Never, you're going to find most of the stuff 
on the social media and there's like different links to different things. So thank you for listening today and just know that you are going to, you are in charge of choosing your thoughts. Choose wisely.